morning, everybody, and welcome to another very special edition of Ignite Radio Live. Over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio, you are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter, and we are so blessed to have this time with you this evening. Absolutely. So, folks, last week we uh, had uh, an episode called Set the Captives Free, and we're kind of continuing that. We're continuing it, and we're pointing out again to Luke 4, where Jesus, in the very beginning, is tested in the wilderness with the range of challenges. Satan uh, addresses him in all his humanity, if you will. And uh, he comes out of the desert, and again, we made the point last week and again this week, whatever desert you're in, what's the point of desert? What's the point of, of darkness and debris that God allows in our lives is to come out of that in the power of the Holy Spirit. It says in Luke 4, 14. And I just want to read this in 4, Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord, so Jesus comes in the temple and he's reading these words. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Brothers and sisters, wherever you're at right now, God sees and he knows and he fashioned you to be temples of his Holy Spirit. And we're going to lift that up right now. We have a special guest with us tonight. Last week was Set the Captives Free. Tonight we have an awesome guest, author, speaker, movement leader, Bob Schutz. And uh, he's going to share with us some of the power, if you will, of his uh, insight uh, of the fullness of our Catholic Church with regard to healing and being healed. So it's going to be an occasion, twofold one, of us to be more aware of God's promise, if you will, to us as Christians, as Catholics in the fullness, to receive that grace of healing and understand, but to, not just to end with us, but to overflow to others. And, uh, and so we're going to get there in just a moment, but let's lift it up in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord Jesus, you see where we're at right now. You understand the depths of our souls and our yearning and our longing. And you're aware, Lord, of how many times things compete for our affections, not just in the present situation, but in our roots, in our history, God, those things that have appealed for our affections that all of us, one way, shape, or form, have bowed down to. We've opened doors, Lord. We've allowed things into our lives, whether we're aware of it or not. And to that extent, Lord, we need healing. We need your grace to transform us as you promised, that our faith would be more than just words, more than just intellectual, more than just ritual and religion, but the very heart of that all, relationship with you and intimacy with you. And so we pray, Lord, that you uh, open our hearts and minds to more fully understand this abundance of life that you call us to, that we receive your healing grace tonight in, in a greater way and all the more earnestly seek to be instruments of that grace to a world that needs to know you and your real present power in our lives. We ask all of this in your name through Christ our Lord. Amen. amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. amen. Before I set the stage for our wonderful guest tonight, um, Stephanie, the commercial. The commercial for Family Emmaus. Go to our website, massimpact.us, and click on the Family Emmaus page, or you could do forward slash Emmaus, E-M-M-A-U-S, um, and you will see the registration there. It is a completely free wonderful day to come and encounter our Lord in a deeper way. And I encourage you listeners right now to think of one person that you know who really needs to know God's love mm. for him or her. 
And whoever that person is, whoever that person is that the Lord just placed on your heart, I encourage you, I challenge you to invite them, to bring them to this day. Massimpact.us forward slash Emmaus. August 12th, the date might help you a little bit, August 12th, Saturday, out at Holy Trinity Parish in um, Swanton. It's going to be an awesome day. Starts at noon um, with a lot of fun music and uh, just fun, cool things going on under the big tent, and then moving right into um, going deeper into the heart of the Mass. We're Mm -hmm. blessed with six area pastors who will take apart the Mass and and just go deeper there with us, and we'll have breakout sessions and good food and community, and it will um, just end and uh, with an, an awesome outdoor ignite, a time of adoration and praise uh, that will just be awesome. Then we send you off with your families to go to your parishes for Mass the next day. Amen. So I want to set the stage again tonight. We all need mentors. We all need godly, mature mentors who have wisdom and can help us navigate this life, this abundant life of faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, Some of mine in the past, Father Benedict Rochelle, blessed to live with him for a year. Father Paul Marks for a while. Uh, Peter Herbeck is one of my current uh, brothers in Christ, who I look up to as a big brother and brings me godly wisdom. Uh, And I met two new mentors in the past half year, I should say. And the first was a pastor up at Church of the Resurrection in Lansing, Father Matson. And he contacted us at some point. Now, here's a guy who was sent to a church that was struggling in many ways. And as a result of his leadership, has seen it turn around to become one of the fastest growing parishes in the Diocese of Lansing. Here's a pastor who, um, through his leadership, found 70, now get this, folks, 75% of those who were not Catholic in the, related, in the school of the parish, 75% who weren't Catholic, entered the RCIA in one year. Phenomenal. Um, and now here's a pastor, I'll say it further, who, who understands the amazing parish, and truly that uh, is, an, is a wonderful effort, and um, Alpha and uh, uh, tremendous programs that are the, in the church that open the door to that deeper encounter. He's experienced them. He's been called upon to lead them. We were blessed to have him invite us to help him answer the question, and then what is a way of life? If you go to our website at massimpact.us, simply put, we're not about another program, but a way of life in Jesus Christ. So to make a Long story short, we did a retreat for him and his his uh, staff, which was amazing, and we set up the three nights of mission. Uh, some of you are familiar with that: empty, fill, and overflow on each of those respective nights. And before actually, so we set that up, and the week before we actually did it, he contacted me on the phone. He said, "Greg, I was just on a retreat in Columbus, Ohio. It was a be healed retreat, and I was with this guy named Bob Schutz. And he said, I have to share with you my homily that I shared with our entire parish. Now you folks could hear that homily." in our episode 118. If you go to IgniteRadioLive.com, episode 118, you're going to hear Father Steve Matson's words to his parish. In sum, this priest who I would really describe as, uh, you know, Father Ricardo, you're familiar with him, a mature, godly pastor who's doing great things, has done all of this, said, as a result of that retreat, it opened his horizon to understanding the depths of healing and transformation God wanted him to have that he had never considered before. And he based it upon having read this book, having been on a retreat with Bob Schutz. So go to episode 118 and sometime tonight or when you hear this, yeah, check right it out. Now. Not, not right now, right? <laughs> and, and so that opened my heart to wanting to go and read it and prepare. And it was really in sync with what we did those three nights of mission. And it was so moving to me as I dove into this book and began to consume it and pray over it, which you really have to do. I bought like 
first of all, 10 copies. And I bought another 10 copies. And I and bought 20 another. copies <laughs> to our core mission teams. I was handing them out. Why? Because I felt it gave great insight, not simply to our own um, God's mission to heal us and transform us, but for us to be instruments of grace and transformation in others' lives. So I do direct you all to this book, Be Healed, by Bob Schutz, uh, who's doing amazing programs, events throughout the country, probably throughout the world. I'm not sure he's going to share with us now. But uh, we're very blessed to have you with us tonight, Bob. How are you doing? Doing well, Greg. Thank you. And Stephanie, good to be with you. Thank you, Bob. So, Bob... We've got, I got this book in front of me, and I know you have a new one, I believe, Be Transformed. Um, is that true? Has that book been released yet? Yes, it's, it was released in March. Awesome. So, Bob, we, we speak a lot in this program. We point to Revelations 12, 11, and what we, we say is, do we not see the enemy around us? The answer is yes, within us, in our marriages and families. And we'll say, well, how do we defeat the enemy? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. We're wanting the yeah. faithful who are listening right now to cultivate the quality of, it doesn't need to, need to be the super tr- uh, powerful conversion moment, but to share their story, uh, however God has anointed them, how is God moving in their life? So I'm going to put you on the spot before we dive into this book to share with us uh, your own kind of coming to this rich, you know, ever-growing faith in Jesus Christ and the fullness of our Catholic faith. All right. Well, uh, just to make it short, um, I was brought up in the church, my parents involved in Christian family movement, and Catholic school, Catholic high school, didn't go to a Catholic college, I went to Columbia, New York. But through all of that, faith was an important part of my life, uh, but it was an important part of my family's life, too, until uh, my parents divorced and just kind of rocked my world mm. and, and rocked the, my whole family. And uh, it wasn't actually until... Many years later, I was in my early 30s, that I began to struggle. I began to struggle uh, in my own marriage. I began to struggle in my faith life. And without knowing it, I was struggling internally with the wounds from what had happened earlier. But I was, I was clueless. I was pretty much not aware of that at all, except for the fact that I was having uh, some panic attacks. And... In the middle of that is when I really began to seek. It's, it's like up until then, you, your faith is there. At least my faith was there. But I hadn't really uh, pressed into the reality. And I went on a particular weekend retreat on Christ Renews His Parish. I don't know if you have it up there, but yep, sure. uh, Christ Renews His Parish weekend retreat. And I'd actually been on a couple before, but on this particular weekend... I was in a more desperate place, and I said, God, I just need to know that you're real. Mm-hmm. I need to know in a way that I've never known before, that you're real, that you're present, and I need to know you in a different way than I've ever known you. And that prayer uh, was answered about 24 hours later, but the first 24 hours, there was a lot of desolation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, it was kind of the opposite of, of what I prayed. Mm-hmm. And again, the spiritual battle. Uh, but... Uh, at one point, uh, late at night, uh, I was with a group of my friends and brothers in Christ and Jesus Parish, and we just began to get down on our knees and begin to pray. And in the, in the middle of praying, I heard my friends around me singing praise to God in, in a way that I had never experienced before. It was, it was though we were in heaven mm-hmm. with the angels, Beautiful. with the saints, singing praise to God. Uh, and I should say it was them doing that, I felt kind of on the outside of it at that moment. 
and uh, one of the guys to the right began to speak another language, praising God. Uh, the two in, were in English, just praising Him, holy, holy, holy. It just was such a blessed moment. And in the middle of that, I'm thinking, here we go again. This happens for everybody else but me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and say, and then I remembered my prayer from early in the weekend, God. I can see that you're real in them. I need to know that you're real in me. Mm. And at that moment, I don't know how else to describe it, but the the best way that I've described it to myself is Jesus' phrase, you can't put new wine into old wineskins because mm-hmm. they'll burst. Mm. I had this this coming up from the depths of me, this explosion of love, as best way I know how to say it, that felt like I would burst uh, in the process. I started laughing with joy i started crying in release of you know the long anticipated uh, waiting for this moment right. and at that moment i knew he was real inside of me in a way that i had never known it before and that experience has never left me since then mm, what a gift uh, and uh, my brother bart was on the weekend and my brother bart who is part of our ministry team was on the weekend with me and that next day he and i had a very powerful encounter again with the Lord together. And uh, that, that was the beginning of my own transformation and transformation of the members of my family and the healing process really took hold at that point. Wow. And I know that in your book, Be Healed, listeners, uh, you go into that uh, in much more detail um, as a book is always <laughs> in much more detail, but yeah. just very grace-filled and powerful and um just an affirmation to you, Bob, and and to encourage our listeners also, you have a real gift in your writing style. Mm-hmm. Just the the words that the Lord has inspired you to use and the flow of it. And it's not, um, it's just very consumable and very inspiring. So uh, thank you. Yes. Thank you. Another uh, moving uh, image that I have right now, Bob, as you share that story, and it's really evident in this book, is almost like a cascading of water, that you have the layer, if you will, of that encounter, and then subsequent encounters, and there's an authentic sense that, how awesome this doesn't end. Like, I've yeah. never arrived. Like, I, there's there's an ever-deepening, and there's questions that are raised, and there's darkness that continues through which we come in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage our listeners, because that alone, to me, is, is powerful, because there's an honesty that I have not arrived, but this is a dynamic journey deeper into the heart of our Savior, who is, you know, healing stuff we didn't even know exists. So, before, um, I, I want you to set the stage, Bob, as to why you wrote this book, and maybe particularly the importance for you of the woman at the well, before I do that, I want to direct our listeners to the website, jp2healingcenter.org, and I need to say, folks, it's the I-I, so jpiihealingcenter.org, you can find out about Bob's ministry, and in particular, I want to say a little commercial, uh, we are inviting, strongly encouraging, particularly couples, uh, mission couples, but all are invited to... um, September 14th to the 16th at Father Matson's Parish in Church of the Resurrections. I'll say that again. You can go to the jp2healingcenter.org and click on events. And you're going to find many events, but again, um, one right up the road for us, September 14th to the 16th, Bob will be conducting this retreat on whole healing, healing of the whole person. We invite you to join us for that September 14th through the 16th. 
So, Bob, share with us again the reason why you wrote this book again, intuited already, but but share what moved you to write this and inspired you, and particularly, you know, how that image, that uh, story, powerful story of the woman at the well, uh, thematizes this. Yeah, again, this is a long story that I'll make fairly short. I was coming out of graduate school. I got my master's and doctorate in family relations. Coming out of graduate school, I was writing a book. And uh, I was writing it with my major professor, and it was a marriage and family textbook. And a woman walked in I'd never met before, and she said, are you writing it? And I said, yeah, how did you know? And she said, well, it's a good thing because this wouldn't have made any sense. But when I was driving over here, I heard God speak to me very clearly. This man is writing a book, and tell him he's writing it for himself and not for me. Mm-hmm. And I've called wow. him to write for me. Wow. <laughs> I was just Great blown away. I've been working, <laughs> working on this book for years. And it was a treadmill because it wasn't really moving anywhere. And so there was both a real sense of conviction but also a sense of relief of, oh, I can let this go. And, you know... That's well put, right? Pardon? That's well put, just that sense of relief. Yeah, when you're you're not doing God's will, you know, you're struggling with it all the time. Right, right. But you're not not fully aware. You know, I wasn't fully aware that I was writing it for myself until that moment. And... uh, so I, so I just surrendered, and I just said, I heard, I've called you to write for me. That was the last of the mm-hmm. message. But I just said, whenever and how that is. Literally, about every five to six years, God would send somebody in a very supernatural way and confirm the fact that he was calling me to write, mm-hmm. but not yet. Mm-hmm. And it was actually 30-some years later that I felt called to write be healed. Wow. And wow. I'm, I'm really glad I waited because it was all of that life experience for myself, all mm-hmm. the life experience in ministry, but also uh, just him bringing me to a place where it wasn't about me, it wasn't about my ego, uh, but it was about really writing a book that would glorify him and, and reveal him. Beautiful. Powerful. So, um, Woman at the Well exemplifies yeah. a healing process and somewhat of your, your approach, your outline in the book. Yeah, even though I talk about physical healing and spiritual healing, emotional healing, uh, the woman at the well story captures the healing of our souls uh, about any story in Scripture. And so I begin the first chapter that way, uh, quoting Pope Benedict, actually, talking about how Jesus' gaze heals us mm. and allows us to become totally ourselves and totally give ourselves to God. And that's really what happened with the woman at the well. And that account of, of the woman in Samaria, she's a, she's a woman who's had five husbands and living with a man who's not her husband. And Jesus, as he often does, doesn't have any small talk. He just comes right in the moment, forms a relationship with her, and brings the barrier in her heart that would keep her in shame and keep her out of relationship with him. Mm. And he does it with so much mercy and compassion, but, but pointedly and with truth, Yes, uh, to the point where he changes her entire life and she becomes a worshiper and goes out and evangelizes the whole area and the whole area becomes believer because of her testimony. Mm-hmm. Bob, there's uh, a, lot, a number of stats. Uh, Sherry Waddell, of course, kind of a portrait in yes. her uh, 
um, Intentional Disciples uh, book, uh, Kara Studies, Pew Studies, that kind of give a portrait not only of the world around us, but Catholics. And one of the key things there that I think many of us struggle with is this relationship with Jesus Christ. We know 30 years ago that may have been the thing those evangelicals or Baptists talk about up the street and viewed with a little bit of suspicion. Of course, I think John Paul II, Vatican II, John Paul II, Pope Benedict, in his book, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, kind of conveyed that the heart of ritual in in, in religion is relationship, but I think we still struggle with, you know, what does it mean to have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Is it, I go to Mass, I'm faithful, I pray the Rosary, and specifically one of those stats that Sherry shares is that 40% of those sitting in pews on any given Sunday question if it's possible to have a relationship with God. 40%. And you kind of candidly shared with us in your, you know, kind of stage setting testimony that maybe you were somewhat, maybe one of those stats that you had religion, maybe you had ritual, you had that experience, your heart was longing for something more. And uh, it seems like you're addressing this to some extent. Help us understand more uh, about our heart's desire and, uh, you know, any insight you can give any of us listening right now that, that, you know, maybe yearning for more, just to open that door and know there is, it's possible. Yeah, and again, I, I'm using the example with the woman at the well. She was obviously hungry for relationship, mm-hmm. but she didn't know what relationship she was hungry for. And and I think the problem is is that we're going to look somewhere to find fulfillment, and that somewhere is often not a very healthy place. And even if it's within our own family, we're gonna we're gonna try to look for family members to be something they can't be, which is where I was. Mm-hmm. I was looking my wife to be. The total fulfillment. I was looking for my my father, who had left to be my fulfillment. I was looking for everything else but Jesus to be that fulfillment, and, and it never satisfied. And you end up, uh, at least in my life, you end up beginning to believe that the problem is the people around you rather mm-hmm. than yourself. Mm-hmm. You know that that somehow they're not giving you what you need, rather than you're expecting them to give you something that they can't give you that only Jesus can give you. And and so that was the hunger. The hunger was nothing else was satisfying. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, I, I turned, uh, by grace, I turned in the direction of of Jesus, and I wanted to know, you know, I, f- I first went to the Scriptures, and I saw in the Scriptures, I saw the reality, but I wanted to know that it was present and real now, and not just 2,000 years ago. That was mm-hmm. that was a key thing. And even though, you know, my my Sunday school teaching, my Catholic school teaching was that the Eucharist, is, a, is, a, is Jesus really present? Mm-hmm. There was a place of disconnect for me in it, like there is for so many Catholics. You have, uh, at the very beginning of chapter 3, uh, the compassionate healer, a number yeah. of questions. And what I like about this is you invite us into um, more than just head, you know, noetic, heady, conceptual stuff. You invite us to really be aware of Christ's presence. And in almost every instance, I think maybe every instance, it begins with almost questioning, awakening to, to brokenness in your life, leads to certain questions that leads you to pray. And I just want our listeners to be mindful of that, that this relationship with Jesus doesn't just happen in our heads, sitting in an audience, and even tonight. It has to involve that, that, that as you honestly came before Jesus and said, Jesus, reveal to me. You're, I want to know you like the way these other people are. Anyways, I want to read just an example for our, our listeners at the bottom of page 45 and going to the next, because it's a string of questions that I think, um, you know, is so honest for all of us. But so, 
when most people in the Gospels experience Jesus' healing miracles, they're astonished. Jesus, in contrast, is not astonished by the miracles, but by the people who claim to believe in God, but deny his powerful love manifested right before their eyes. I'll say that again. He's astonished by people who claim to believe in God, but deny his powerful love manifested right before their eyes. Now the questions. Which ones are we more like? Are we amazed when we see Jesus' powerful love demonstrated? Or do we read or listen to the gospel accounts with a certain familiarity and indifference? Do we believe Jesus wants to heal today? Or do we avoid genuine interesting? Or do we avoid genuine encounters with Jesus, hiding instead behind religious pride or intellectual arrogance, which is merely a mask covering our hopelessness and unbelief? I'll read that last line because it's thick, and I think it's uh, you know tear up any PC or worry because there's an honesty of soul that you're bringing before God, without which, if we're not sinners, we don't need a savior. And you know you you have a conviction in this that God wants to penetrate us with that gaze. And what are the questions of honesty we can bring before him? So, or do we avoid genuine encounters with Jesus, hiding instead behind religious pride or intellectual arrogance, which is merely a mask covering our hopelessness and unbelief? Bob, you're right with such clarity there that I have to believe, <laughs> if you're like me and the many of us listening, maybe you've struggled with Religious pride and intellectual arrogance, and I know in the book that you have. Help us understand how yeah. you've, you know, how that has been healed in you. Religious pride and intellectual arrogance that has been, if you will, uh, debris uh, standing in the way of the Niagara Falls of grace to flood us. Yeah, that is autobiographical. I know that by experience. And the problem is when you're in the middle of it, when you're in the middle of intellectualizing your faith or uh, just believing that. You know, because I'm Catholic and I have the truth that somehow I'm, I'm good and I'm right and everything's okay. Um, and it was really, and that's why I talk about the brokenness in the second part. It's really, it was really my brokenness that began to humble me and make me hungry and thirsty like the woman at the well. I was, I was thirsting for something more uh, because, you know, the the religious rituals. The religious activity in themselves, as, even though they have power in them, I wasn't open to and accessing the power of the sacraments. I was I was going through the motions without knowing it. I, w- I really wasn't conscious that I was going through the motions. I was trying, and there's still a, an element of uh, pride in that. You know, of of yeah, I'm I'm going to mass every Sunday. I'm. I'm reading my Bible. I'm I'm doing all these things, but where was my heart? Mm-hmm. And underneath it was this hopelessness that I hadn't faced, mm-hmm. and the sense of shame that I hadn't faced, and a lot of brokenness that I hadn't faced. So there's a lot of folks listening right now um, who have people in their lives that are explicitly, evidently broken. And we think of them that way, whether it be opiate, drug, alcohol, addiction, pornography, adultery. And we see the brokenness that that they're confronted with all the time. Now, there's a good, and honestly, you and I know, and those who are listening know the blessing of, of the, they who come before God radically to seek his healing. They give great witness when they've uh, come to that point of transformation. Um, but for many of us, we don't necessarily face those moments. And I guess I'd ask the question, are we deprived 
of knowing Jesus more intimately, maybe because we're not addressing ways in which we need to be healed, under the roof sorts of ways. Um, and if that's true, help us understand maybe where do we look, those of us who don't have, so to speak, the epic areas of brokenness, but they might be the root things as you address later on. There might be some of those root things, right? But uh, help yeah. us understand where do we look to be aware of our need for healing and, and greater transformation in Christ? Well, in some sense, that's individual in each case. But if I could speak to that generally, one of the one of the very convicting scriptures for me back in that time when I was searching is Jesus says, "I came, I came for the sick. The well have no need of a physician." Mm. And I thought I was one of the well. You know, I could see my brother who was struggling with a drug addiction as one of the sick, and I was one of the well in my own mind. Uh, and yet, I was I was. It bothered my conscience. Does that mean I don't need Jesus? Hmm. And and I started to wrestle with that. Uh, do I need Jesus? And if I need Jesus, am I really well? Because hmm. if I'm really well, I don't need a Savior. I don't need hmm. a healer. I don't need a relationship with Jesus. Uh, and I can't say that I discovered where my need was, but I began. I began to to follow the leading of the Spirit in my life, to ask the questions. I think that's the best way that I can say it. Mm. Uh, I, I began to search in a way that I hadn't searched before. Mm. And part of it was the circumstances of my life that, that created a, a different hunger. You know, as you opened the show with, you know, when you're in the desert, you're thirsty. Mm. Powerful. And as we look now, if you will, to facing our brokenness. Uh, and I do think that that might be overused and somewhat in the Oprah Winfrey cathartic sort of way without, you know, really honestly. You know. And honestly, I mean, our, our, our former bishop used to speak about the need for better examinations of conscience that might help us see uh, real areas of brokenness and, and for priests to identify them and not be afraid of identifying areas of brokenness because th- that's that's what the church's purpose is, is to take us from where we're at to that be therefore perfect as my Father in Heaven is perfect. How can that happen if it's not being articulated. But um, page 75, I just, excuse me for reading some of these, but I just, for insight, so this idea of part to whole, um, and the idea, and my dad would speak of this often, wholeness and holiness. Wholeness and holiness, and, and putting those words kind of together, if you will. So on the top of page 75, in the section about, uh, if you will, facing our brokenness, you say, do you know what the word Catholic means? According to the Catechism, it literally means according to the totality or in keeping with the whole. And you go on to say, Catholic theology sees all reality, including all that has been broken and fragmented by sin, within a broader reality of wholeness. Similarly, the word Christian means belonging to Christ or follower of Christ. As followers of Christ, we claim to believe he is our healer, the physician of our bodies and souls. So what struck me in this is a vision that to mean to be Catholic has everything to do with being whole, not splintered, not just part, but heart, mind, body, soul. Yes. Tell us about that and how you kind of maybe came to understand that and maybe, you know, how do you work it out? How are you working out this journey towards greater wholeness in your life? If I can give you three snapshots. Uh, The first snapshot being before sin, when Adam and Eve were created and had communion with the Trinity, there was complete wholeness there. 
no there's no brokenness of relationship with God and there is no brokenness within ourselves and there's no brokenness in relationships brokenness with the world and so we are created in wholeness for wholeness and then the next snapshot is in heaven in heaven we will be like Jesus uh, and in heaven uh, that holiness that we're all called to is a wholeness is a complete integration as Thessalonians says you know may you be sanctified completely body soul and spirit uh, mm-hmm. and, and so wholeness and holiness uh, are right together mm-hmm. in heaven and in creation but between those two there are none of us apart from Jesus and Mary who are whole you know any place where there's sin in our lives there's brokenness Mm-hmm. And nobody, not one of us would be foolish enough to say that we don't know sin. Mm-hmm. But it's not just our sin that makes us not whole, but it's our experience of the sin of others that wounds us and also makes us not whole uh, by the way that we respond to that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, often I was one of those people that said, I don't have any brokenness, I'm fine. You know, I, I'm practicing my faith, I'm fine, I don't need anything. Uh that's so blind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, anybody that's alive after the fall and before heaven has brokenness. And it's just, just a fact of life. And it's what we do with it. We either hide it and we disguise it or or we dwell in it and become miserable or we bring it to Jesus. You quote uh, Pope Benedict XVI saying that healing is the entire content of our redemption when understood at a sufficiently deep level. I'll say it again. Healing is the entire content of our redemption when understood at a sufficiently deep level. Um, I want to not necessarily pivot, but maybe go deeper with this and convey to our audience that these are more than nice ideas. That this is the fabric of our nature. This is, if you will, um, insight, if you will, to the, uh, the I don't know how to describe it, uh, manual for, for who we are. And applying these things truly results in in greater wholeness. And your book weaves real stories of transformation, relational transformation and healing, interpersonal, uh, intrapersonal healing of heart, mind, body, and soul. Can you just share with us maybe a little bit about, um, there's kind of two things I'm saying here. One is that this this faith is true. It reveals our nature, uh, and and it is practical in a sense. It, It has power. And maybe share with us a story or two that that um, convict you all the more about the fact that these truths uh, have power of God's presence with us here and now. Yeah, I, I think I'm led to share the story of my brother Dave. As I mentioned before, mm-hmm. you know, it was obvious from the time he was two years older than me, from the time he was 16 until he was in his early 30s, he was a, he was a heroin addict. Uh, in and out of jail, in and out of, the, off and on the streets. Uh, we would see him periodically. Um, but he was in a lot of pain, and he took his desperation to that high that he described as the only time that I'm not miserable, the only time that I'm that I'm euphoric. Mm-hmm. It's when I get that high, and then I spend the rest of my time trying to find that. And um, it was it was a very painful time for all of us to not be able to reach him, to not be able to to see any real change. And after my experience, my brother Bart's experience, 
my brother Dave got out of jail and came to live with us for a while. And I could see that he was seeing something different and desiring it for himself. Mm-hmm. And he ended up, about a year later, going on uh, a weekend retreat and just an incredibly powerful encounter in the Sacrament of Reconciliation. It was actually after the Sacrament of Reconciliation, but in the Sacrament of Reconciliation, he, for the first time, faced everything that he had done and confessed it and began to feel this incredible relief. Mm -hmm. And then as he went to bed that night, it hit him. You know, just the self-condemnation and the Mm self-hatred and the shame of everything that he had done. So he was under spiritual attack, but he began to... Uh, despair that the confession really wasn't real, it wasn't powerful, that the forgiveness of sins, Jesus couldn't forgive him. And so he crawls out in the middle of the night at church into the front of the sanctuary, in front of the tabernacle, and uh, begins to just remonstrate with God, how can you forgive Mm -hmm. me? How can you forgive me after everything I've done? And he kind of got all of that out, and then he got quiet, and he just heard does your family forgive you? And he heard, yeah, mm-hmm. inside of himself. And he said, where do you think they get that from? Mm-hmm. That's the same place that the priest gets it from, but he has an authority that they don't have. And he began, to, he went from self-condemnation to just, as he describes it, just sobbing at God's mercy, just the experience of letting go of the pain, self-hatred, shame that he'd been carrying. And when I saw him at the end of the weekend, he was literally a new man. Uh, he was, he was, his face was glowing. Uh, it was just like the prodigal son coming home and being able to wrap my arms around him and and just rejoice with heaven uh, at at the difference. Uh, and from that day forward, he walked with Jesus. And there's a lot more to his story that I talk about in the mm-hmm. book, but that moment is one I'll never forget of seeing his face. Mm-hmm. Now, Bob, what's really striking in this book uh, is the, shall I say, the superabundance of blessing as a clinician, um, as an expert, if you will, when you uh, approach people who are wounded with this fuller perspective and pray over them and avail yourself to, if you will, words of knowledge, insights. Obviously, you're you're listening to them and experiencing history, and you're attuned to that. And uh, you've been blessed to grow in that. Uh, at the same time, many in the body of Christ may have it not even know it, uh, may have in their marriages right now, in their families right now, maybe a sense that there's brokenness as a result of tonight, all the more maybe acutely aware that, that we are about, God is about the mission of healing us, so let's look at the brokenness. And uh, secondly, you know, maybe availing them, opening them to consider, you know, how can I be attuned to my own brokenness, start there, but maybe others and how I might be an instrument of healing with them. How have you grown in this, um, if you will, uh, ministering in this fuller way by knowing uh, God's design of us as a a Catholic in those clinical settings? Yeah, I I had been a therapist for about seven or eight years before that experience Uh, on the retreat weekend. And I remember leaving there and saying, in 10 minutes, I experienced more healing than what I had offered to the people that I was working with Mm -hmm. for 10 years or seven years. 
Uh, it was just a real sobering moment. Mm-hmm. It was like the power of God to heal us compared to all of my training, all of the supposed expertise that was there. It was just a real sobering moment. And I would like to say I went out and immediately began to seek how I could bring that to others. But the reality is just God began to send people, send books, send conferences to train me, to to help me realize that this is something that I could help pass on and, and to my surprise, could pass on uh, even in my work. And so it was a, it was a, a sudden realization, but then a gradual formation uh, that as I took a little step and he met us there and I watched the healing take place, then, then that builds faith for the next step and the next step. And it's really just a faith walk. It's just saying, Jesus, who you say you are, you really are. Mm-hmm. And if I step out and trust you, you're going to do this work. It's not something that I can do uh, on my own. It's something I can do uh, to facilitate what you're going to do by just being open to it. That's that's really powerful. I, I do think um, and appreciate in the book the honesty when you discuss apprehension or fear in the presence, perhaps, of a, a word of knowledge or insight you get when you're praying about somebody or for somebody. And, uh, you know, there's there's a maturity there. There's a maturity in, in growth, like any gift or skill we have. It takes some cultivation. But you open up the horizon, I think, in reading this book of, of God's grace and anointing us to be aware of more than just what is in the material realm, if you will. Obviously, the material realm is dignified and it's holy, yeah. which is uh, which is fabulous. Uh, just a quick interjection, folks. We're blessed to have you with us, Ignite Radio Live. You're with Greg and Stephanie Schleter. And we're blessed to have Bob Schutz with us. We're talking about his book, Be Healed. And it's more than just a book. Uh, I have to even say it's an awakening. And it's, it's, it's a movement. And he's at the service of the gospel. He's at the service of what Christ revealed to us, desiring us to be all the more healed, which is equated with holiness, to be the most God-called us to be. Uh, I want to point you folks to, again, the website jp2healingcenter.org That's J-P-I-I healingcenter.org And especially I want to invite you, if you um, want to experience ever greater healing, whether it is uh, you know, heart, mind, body, or soul yourself, which is all of us, (laughs) because we're not there yet and the degree to which we're not saints is the degree to which we need healing. So if you want that door open more widely, if you want an even greater abundance of grace to flow in your life. This ought to speak to you. Join us for an event uh, September 14th through the 16th. Bob is going to be leading us on this retreat in Lansing, Michigan. Again, jp2healingcenter.org. Click on events. Um, you'll find, uh, if you will, this event listed September 14th to the 16th at the Church of the Resurrection in Lansing. Um, Bob, you, you speak of the differences between the trees. Yeah. And you say, um, let's see, John's response is not different. Okay. Whether conscious or not, our response to the inevitable wounds in life come from one of the two trees. When we respond in the spirit, which is the tree of life, by facing our pain in communion with Jesus, we grow in security, maturity, and purity. Conversely, when we respond in the flesh which is tree of knowledge, these traumatic wounds can plague us for the rest of our life until they are healed. Given our spiritual weakness, concupiscence, the flesh response comes more easily. 
That's powerful. And, and, and I think helpful for us to be aware that we're going to be inclined toward concupiscence. We're going to be inclined toward lethargy, towards laziness, toward especially in American culture where things may be okay. We're paying the bills. Our relationships are okay. They seem functional. But we know below that surface, uh, there, there are, um, if you will, weeds or there's roots that aren't so deep. And I'm sure you see it all the time. What do you see, Bob, as you travel around the country and put on these events? What do you maybe see and challenge those of us who might be listening to uh, consider um, to take a step in opening the door maybe more fully in uh, understanding this in our own lives and uh, addressing it? Yeah, it's one of the beautiful things that happens at a conference is uh, you can see this awakening taking place over the course of the three days. And we, we actually start off by, by looking at what happened at the, at the fall with Adam and Eve. And it just becomes apparent to every one of us that what Adam and Eve experienced after sin is what we all experience on a daily basis. Uh, and what we all long for is a relationship with God. It just becomes self-evident. And once that becomes self-evident, then things get into perspective. Then, then we begin to be able to say, okay, I'm like the rest of humanity here, and now I can begin to, to walk into and face. And one of the exercises during our conferences is to, is to really map out that tree uh, of where are the sins in my life and where are they rooted and what are the things that are driving them, what are the areas of my life that are driving those. And for most of us, we're totally unaware of that, relationship until the grace is there to begin to look at it and begin to see it and then to open that to prayer. Uh, we On our third part of the conference, the third talk in the conference, it's encountering the Father's love. So it's the understanding that it's only in that encounter with him that the healing takes place. It's not the rest of the culture just treats symptoms. We're just constantly treating symptoms. Mm-hmm. And the the deep healing happens as we encounter him in his love and there's transformation that takes place. And Bob, just a, just a note so often for so many of us in today's world to be able to do what you just described, to really go deeper, we need to step back. We need to turn off devices. We need to get away from the computers. We need to get off of fill in, fill in the blank. And so many of us have such a hard time doing that or have a real fear of doing that. I think because of what one might encounter. And so what you're yeah. offering is just an opportunity to do that. Can you speak to that for our listeners? Yeah, that's, that's very true. It's, it's not only difficult to try to do that on our own, but as you said, it's just a busyness, and, and we, it's the thing that we always avoid. Mm-hmm. And there's such a beautiful thing when a group of people come together. You have uh, anointed worship music and uh, an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit is present. There's a grace there. There's a facility there that even if there's moments of challenge during the time, it's it's a joyful thing. It's it's not a it's not a dreadful thing. It's not like oh I've got to go do this. It's there's something there that's that even in the even in the process uh, there's a there's an experience of the Holy Spirit that makes it a joyful experience. Hmm. Can you also speak to parents out there, Bobs? I mean, we're talking about many of us are, you know, well into our uh, middle years and beyond. And, 
uh, we are blessed with our children to have read and be reading your wonderful book together. And, um, and it was a reminder to us that even though our kids are, you know, ranging in age from 12 to 19, like there's a wound, there are wounds there, certainly sin, you know, and, and everything in between. And like you pointed out to us until we're in heaven, we're dealing with a lot of stuff between that, you know, in the garden. Um, can you speak of the importance that it's not just for those who are older and have lots of life experience and life failures, but to give our children the opportunity yeah, to experience? Yeah, it's really much, so much easier with the children. Mm. Um, my daughter was just here with one of my grandchildren. We have eight grandchildren. And, oh, awesome. Uh, as she has kind of grown up with this understanding right. uh, and gone through her own process, uh, she immediately prays with her children when they come with something. You know, it could be just a child in the neighborhood hurt them or a brother or sister or something mm-hmm. else that they're struggling with. And typically children's hearts are so ready and open uh, that they don't have the barriers that we do most of the time. Mm-hmm. And and this kind of a prayer, which is just a prayer of inviting Jesus uh, to meet the person in the place where they're hurt, they're struggling, they're believing something about themselves that's not true, or they're, mm-hmm. they're holding yes. on to a judgment towards somebody else or an unforgiveness. And just in that simple prayer, uh, she watches and many other parents watch the issues dissolve where... No kind of discipline and lecturing by itself really gets at that place of their mm-hmm. heart. Mm. Teaching them the power of the grace right there. Yeah, That's it's, awesome. it's, it's so beautiful to watch as they know Jesus is real, mm. watching him with their brothers and sisters and, the, and themselves as they pray. Awesome. And they're, they're normal kids. It's not like this is every day. Right. Just, just, it becomes part of their normal life. It becomes, you know, we go out and play soccer and we do our schoolwork and we pray and right, it's right. part of natural life as, right. as you do in your family. It's an important language to teach our children from the very yeah, beginning. Very much. And, you know, they say the formal prayers, which are great prayers. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not one or the other, it's both. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And I think sometimes the informal prayers um, bring more life and understanding to those formal prayers. Yeah, exactly, yes. They, they mean a lot more. Bob, you had touched on um, confession earlier, you know, the power of the sacrament. Um, and you speak of it a little bit in this book, and I'm anxious to read uh, your your next or your newest book. Um, do you want to talk about that a little bit more? And I know in, in this book you mention um, the the big question, too, of why is why don't I feel that power of the sacraments all the time? You know, I receive that sacrament, why don't I have that great encounter or great experience or great healing? Yeah, and, and there's two parts of that. One is uh, grace isn't always felt, the church teaches. You know, grace is seen in its effects, but it isn't always felt experientially. Mm-hmm. So that's one piece of it. But the other piece of it is many of us, the catechism talks about the importance of the disposition of our hearts, and many of us come casually to the sacraments Mm -hmm. and really don't Mm -hmm. prepare our hearts, whether it's for the Eucharist or even for marriage or confirmation or for uh, sacrament of reconciliation. And so without preparing our hearts, uh, we're we're kind of closed off to the grace that's there. And it's kind of like uh, somebody has a 
a hose of of water and we don't open our mouths and we say, "Well, I don't, I don't taste any water." I right. Don't Great analogy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, you also speak beautifully about redemptive suffering, and uh, certainly John Paul II. Yeah, beautiful witness of yes. that and teaching on that. Yes. Can you speak yeah. to that, especially yeah. in light of so much going on in the world? And Greg shared a yeah. little bit about, you know, some personal friends struggling with such yeah. heavy things. Yeah, um, it's so, so hard without the grace of that. Um, one of the things that John Paul II said is suffering is always an experience of an evil, mm. an absence of a good that we desire, or the presence of a bad that we don't desire. And I think that's really important mm-hmm. so that we don't have confusion. It's not like we're saying, oh, bring on the suffering, suffering's right. great. Right. But what Jesus showed us is in the midst of evil, which was the cause of his suffering, God's power is so much greater than the evil, and it transforms the evil into a greater good. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at suffering in that way, as, as we allow the Holy Spirit to bring us into communion with Jesus in the way that we suffer, then our own personal suffering transforms us. It, it's, it opens our hearts. It opens our minds. It brings us into a deeper faith. And it heals us. Uh, and mm-hmm. so many times we, we think about Redemptive suffering and healings as opposites, when in fact they're part and parcel of the same thing. That it's in our redemptive suffering that we receive healing, and healing is the good that comes out of the evil. Mm, great insight, very well worded. And you know, I, we we try to emphasize in our uh, movement mission also um, the fact that God fashioned us with with desires. And these desires, uh, as John Paul II uh, intimated, the heart of the sexual urge, for instance, but we might even say every misguided urge, the heart of that is an urge to a completion in God. There's an urge to an intimacy with God. And what a great insight for us to approach, if you will, our misguided desires, our concupiscence in whatever area that may be with regard to those vices, to look at gluttony, lust, anger, greed, sloth, envy, pride, whatever they may be. And let's face it, they're powerful. Uh, There's gravity over any of us, some of us more in some than the others, but we acknowledge that if we recognize just right out of the gates that the heart of that is a capa- a yearning for a fulfillment that they can't satisfy and towards God, to me I think that's a powerful part of this too in, in helping us understand not only the book but the movement and the reflection. Hey, brothers and sisters out there, what if that strong desire, if we recognize that it's made for God and we prayed for that transforming grace and the understanding to turn, if you will, that compass to its true north, to its due north. What if pride could be turned into humility and meekness, or envy into kindness, and gluttony into fasting? Bob, what kind of transformation, as long as you've been doing this, since you wrote this book, and as you're traveling around the country, just kind of give us a sense of of the feedback that you're getting from others as they're experiencing it themselves, and uh, maybe as they're becoming instruments of this to others, disciples of Christ more fully to others. Yeah, it, it it literally brings me to tears sometimes. Uh, when I mm. when I wrote the book, I was constantly praying, and I said, God, there are going to be people that never make it to a conference, never have an opportunity. But I just ask you to bring transformation and healing mm-hmm. into the lives of people who read the book, just by your Holy Spirit, just working mm-hmm. through what's been written. And 
just to hear people from not only in the country but outside of the country uh, share the things that are happening, the, the, the kind of transformation and healing encounters that they're having uh, through the sacraments, through prayer, uh, other experiences. Uh, it's just it's overwhelming in, in, in terms of gratitude for, for God's uh, response for the Father to say, I'm, I'm taking care of my children. And uh, it's, it's every kind of thing you can imagine. Uh, as I tell stories in the book, there's, you can imagine any situation, and none of them are outside of his ability and desire to heal. Bob, it's been a blessing having you with us. We're coming in for a landing very quickly here in the last minute. Could you please lead us in a prayer for any listening right now and they're yearning for the face of God, for his gaze and his love, and to just seek that healing? Yeah, I would be happy to, Greg. Thank you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Jesus, I pray for every listener that wherever they are right now, in their hearts, in their lives, that you would be present to them in a way that they would know that you're intimately concerned about what's going on in their life, what's going on in their heart. And I pray, Jesus, that that each one could experience your gaze in the way that the woman at the well did, to just open the areas of their life and that they could see your love know your tenderness and compassion and experience your truth in your life. Jesus, right in this moment, I pray that that encounter would be taking place. And for some, I pray that as they go to bed and they have dreams tonight, that that encounter will be revealed or they go to Mass and receive you in communion and they'll experience that encounter. But I pray that you'd make, you, make yourself real in a deeper way to each one. I thank you and praise you for this. Amen. 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 God bless you all.